last week, and this is the second week of a two-part on evangelism, and last week I spoke of the who should and why they should be evangelizing for Jesus Christ. There are several here, obviously, that weren't there, so, um, and I would do this anyway. I'm going to give a short recap. Um, we read in Ephesians 4 that Christ gave us the apostles, he gave us the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, which are the pastors, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and the ministry for building up the body of Christ. And that, if we are saved through faith, then we are counted as saints. And if we are counted as saints, then we are to do the work of the ministry. And the ministry is the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. Therefore, we are called to evangelism. And I said in the dictionary definition of evangelism, it's the spreading of Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. Now, most of us are not going to be public speaking evangelists. And, um, but we should be giving our personal testimony, testimony, excuse me, to people about Jesus Christ. And like a trial witness, we're to tell the truth. And the gospel is the truth. Um, as we mentioned last week, too, we, we weren't there, you know, when Christ was walking the earth and, and he was demonstrating through miracles and healing and these different things. And we weren't there when uh, to find the empty tomb and we weren't there as he um, arose from it and, and obviously was ascended into heaven. But we have a personal testimony and that testimony um, that we say it's. It's ours because we can talk about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Um, God's word in the Bible allows us to know him and get to know him more so that we have information that we can speak to about other people. But that testimony that you have is what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Jesus said that all authority in heaven and earth was given unto him and that he charges us to make Disciples of all nations. That was the Great Commission. But how to be an effective personal evangelist. We've all seen the college campus. Oh, probably many of you have. You've been on a college campus and you have the guy with the big cross and the megaphone. And he's screaming out to people. And he's yelling at them, the wages of sin is death. I believe that. That's true. But I don't know how effective that is in bringing people to Christ. Um, it certainly doesn't represent the way Jesus interacted with people. He ate with sinners. He touched the untouchable. He had compassion on them. And he met them where they were. Many people assume sharing the gospel is only trying to convert somebody to Christianity. Ultimately, converting someone to Christianity is the work of the Holy Spirit. Spreading the gospel to us is our way to partner with the Holy Spirit in the work. But evangelism doesn't mean that you're trying to make your best pitch for Christianity to anybody that will listen. The word evangelism can be intimidating, you know, to the person delivering the message if the view it is the work of an evangelism as a task to be accomplished or something you determine that you're going to do at any given time 
And, for example, um, if you wake up and decide today, I'm going to go speak to three people today about Christ. You just put a huge burden on yourself in thinking that, how am I going to do this? I'm, I'm going to do this as a, mark this off. I've done three of these today. Tomorrow I'm going to do three more. And, and you do this. And, and then when you don't do it, then you start feeling bad about yourself because you say, I, I, I promised God I'd do these things. And if you're approached, if you're approaching people with an agenda, trying to win people to Christ, and you're, and you, um, you start right off the bat with the gospel, then you intimidate them as well. So how can I be effective in evangelism, spreading the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ? As we mentioned last week, there are a lot of different outreach programs. We attempt to put evangelism in this little neat step-by-step program, a cookie-cutter approach. And But, you know, having... Uh, and that's what we want, though, right? That's what we want. We want somebody to give us a step-by-step book. Do step A, do step B, step three, and it, it just makes it easier for us if someone would just give us that. But even having a program to follow doesn't take away the fear, you know, talking to strangers about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, having a program can actually increase your fear. Now you're worried about memorizing some script and making sure you get it right. Have you ever been, now I know you haven't said nothing, have you ever been in a school play or a community play and you gotta memorize these lines and you're, um, and you're really, you're working hard and you get them all memorized and when it comes time to performance time, you get these butterflies and you fear that you're gonna forget something. Imagine the person opposite you in this play delivers the wrong line ahead of you. It will throw you off. Your next line will make no sense in light of what they just said. And then the panic sets in. Okay? Likewise, if you rehearse the script and the person you're talking to throws a curveball, it'll throw you off. I mentioned last time, we, you know, we were years ago in Evangelism Explosion and they would ask these certain questions. And I'm not saying that's bad because people came to Christ through that. But I wanted... Let's think about this, though. What if you ask the question, if you were to die tonight, would you know that you're going to heaven? What if the answer is, I don't believe you're heaven or hell? And they just threw you off your script because you had this plan to say what was next. If they would say, well, I was good or I was, I did this and I deserved heaven. Then you were ready to jump in with the gospel. But boom, now they just knocked you off your, uh, off your script. And let's face it, some people are very uncomfortable talking to strangers. Some people have a hard time even talking to their own family members, let alone strangers. But what if being an evangelist is really just living every day for God? What if being an evangelist means loving people and having compassion for them as Christ did and meeting where they were? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you this evening as we come before your throne. Lord, I just thank you so much. I feel your presence and I felt your presence this week. Oh, God, as we open up your word, I pray that the words that I speak, our thoughts, everything that we do here tonight glorifies and honors you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you, if you would, 
turn to Matthew 25, 35 to 40. And if you don't have a Bible in front of you, that's fine. Um, but I'm going to give people a few minutes to uh, find that. It's Matthew 25, 35 to 40. My voice is a little scratchy. It was actually gone Thursday, so I thank God that got, I have it at least back in some way. All right, this is what it says. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it, did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Sharing the gospel is living the gospel. Jesus preached to the crowds as an evangelist, illuminating the gospel to the lost. But when he wasn't preaching, he was demonstrating to his apostle and us how to treat people, how to meet their needs, how to deliver words that the individual needed at the moment in the trials that they were suffering. The scripture we just read points the way we should evangelize. The best approach to evangelism is being there for people in their hour of need. And we open a pathway to bring to the gospel to them when we show compassion for people. The Bible tells us that while Jesus was amongst the lost, while he was here on earth, he had compassion on them. In Matthew 9, 26, we read, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. In Luke 7, 13, it says, when Jesus saw the widow whose son had just died, he had compassion on her. He said, do not weep. And of course, he raised her from the dead. Then Matthew 15, 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am willing to send, unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Matthew 20, 34, and Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed them. There is a phrase and it's true. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Let's look at a couple examples of how Jesus evangelized one-on-one. We're all familiar with the Samaritan woman at the well. This woman goes to the well in the middle of the day because during the morning, other people were there. And she has been stigmatized because she's been with a lot of men. And then here comes Jesus to see her. And remember, Jews did not associate with Samaritans. They went out of their way to avoid them at any cost, let alone a Jewish man talking to a Jewish woman. And here she is in the middle of the day and Jesus comes up to her and he crosses racial boundaries to meet with this woman and he's to seek out this soul. And listen how he opens up the conversation. He's at the well and he says, give me a drink of water. That's a natural conversation. He's at a well. She's getting water. He says, give me a drink. He didn't jump on her right away and start pounding the scripture in her face. He was meeting her where she was. And here's a woman that had a need. She's shocked that 
a Jewish man would come up and start talking to her because nobody's talking to her. And this woman knew that. And she knew that, you know, that this was going to be the situation and that, that no man would do this. And uh, Jesus meets sinners where they are. His conversation, he's conversational and he engages in conversation. He brings the gospel message to her in the most fitting way. He is so thirst with water to quench it. And then he talks about living water. And think about this. He said, hey, this, you drink from this well, you're going to be thirsty again. But I have living water and you'll never thirst again. And if you're thinking from a human standpoint, you're going, whoa, I want to hear about this. Jesus leaves her because he said, tell me about this. I'll never have to come out in the day again. You know, nobody likes me. I won't have to show my face if I can get this living water. Tell me about this. I'll never have to do that. And, of course, Jesus starts talking to her. And he says, go tell your husband. She goes, oh, I don't have a husband. He goes, yeah, I know. He had five. You know, basically all these women, uh, men that you were with um, and her situation, she's runs back. Think about this. Now she runs back and talks to these people, these people that won't have anything to do with her. Now the whole town listens to her and she brings the whole town to Jesus Christ to listen to him. Jesus meets this woman where she is. He engages her where she is and releases her from her the stigma that has been placed on her. This woman that's been an outcast forever. The evangelist style that Jesus used with this woman was primarily relational, conversational. And the more that Jesus' woman conversed, the more we learn about the woman. Conversation can bring out hidden desires or pain for people that are searching. And then the rich young ruler, we all know that story. There's a man coming, he wants to join Jesus. I want to follow you. But Jesus knows his heart. He thinks he can do this. Jesus looks at his heart and said, take all you have and sell it and give it to the poor. Jesus knows what's holding this man back. He's not telling every person to go out there and sell everything you have. He's saying, if there is something holding you back from me, get rid of it. If it's keeping you from following me, get rid of it. And he understood what was painting this person. And he understood the issue. Unfortunately, this young man, he couldn't do it. And how about the woman who bled for 12 years? The Mark 5 tells us a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And she reached out and touched Jesus' garment. And she was healed at that point. He was going to heal another young woman. And he looks back and says, hey, what happened here? Because he could feel power leaving him. And this woman, she just had faith that she could just touch his garment. And what he does for her, what he does for her is here's a woman who needed healing. Remember, this woman would have been an outcast also. Nobody was going to associate with her because to the Jews, if you had issues like this, it's because of some sin that you did. And she was suffering for 12 years. It's like this is a bad situation. I mean, they weren't going to be anywhere near. So God not only heals her, but he lifts her up and tells her, that her faith has done that for all to see. And she's been lifted up among all these people who wouldn't dare even look at her. Compassion for the lost combined for passion for the gospel is the, is the recipe for effective evangelism. Understand first that 
Every heart is searching for something. A truth that they can cling to or something that can satisfy their soul. Conversation brings out hidden issues in people's lives. And the way to begin a conversation is not necessarily quoting scripture, but by learning about them, their needs. And you access and you get access to people by being available to them. As our scripture points out in Matthew 25, we meet people where their needs exist. That I mentioned in uh, last week, Jesus' mission, he says in Luke 19.10, was to seek and save the lost. As we said, I have come to seek and save the lost. Culture can shape how people receive the gospel too. Um, so the culture context you're sharing the gospel is important to understand. You know, when I was growing up, there was no such thing as social media. There was none of this stuff. I mean, I remember... When Terry and I first got married, we'd, we'd go down to the, uh, we wanted to see a movie on videotape. You rented the tape and the movie and you took the whole thing home. And what was it? Sounds Easy was the name of the place down by Kroger's. And you drove down and you're about that time. But culture changes and we can reach people different ways, but we reach them. I mean, myself alone this week with my kids and everything, how much stuff was posted online and that nobody would ever get a hold of me. But I was able to read all these things and feel the love that I was getting from all these people on Facebook. Now, Facebook has a lot of problems. There's a lot of bad content. There's a lot of bad issues. But how quick I was able to understand how many people were caring for me. In the old days, when all you had was either a letter or a card to send, or you made a phone call and you got a busy signal. Then you had to hang up. And if you guys know Rotary Dow... It took a while to do that again. If you messed up, you start over again, you know. So getting a hold of that person to let them know you care or you just drove there and said, well, I hope they don't have too many people there. But now we can meet them the way the culture is. One kid, uh, Christian author said evangelism itself is often has more to do with building relationships than building a case for Christianity. In fact, most evangelists look more like the neighbor who offers to shovel a snowy driveway than the street preacher who peddles salvation in a heavenly retirement plan. Sharing the gospel isn't just about what you say. What you do matters too. For Christian living itself, in a way, I mean, sharing the gospel is as much showing them as as much as teaching anybody. You show them with your life. You show them that you care so much about them. See, that's what Jesus did first. He loved. That's what the Bible says. He said he loved us while we were yet in sin. And here's Jesus who comes down and he shows compassion for these people. Yes, he gets out and he preaches the word. Yes, he was an evangelist in that strict sense. As you see, some people are gifted in the uh, to do evangelism publicly. But there's so many of us. That can open our doors and open our hearts to people that are hurting around us. And just show them that we love them. And when we do that, then we have an opportunity. Then they're going to listen to you about what you have to say about Jesus Christ. When a situation comes and you get a chance to do that. And maybe when you're hurting, that might be the best time to tell somebody about the Lord that you have. I know it's the best time for me right now. I'm standing up here in the power because of the prayer that you guys lifted me in and the love that I have from family and friends that's given me the strength to be here this evening. I 
A couple of days ago, there's no way. You can ask Dave. I was a puddle. I mean, there's no way. But I'm lifted up because of that. I have a Lord that strengthens me and he's with me. And I know now that I won't just be able to talk to somebody and sympathize with them. I now can empathize. I'm in a group now that not many people want to be a member of. But we know that if we love our brothers and sisters, if we really care for people, we care for the lost. That's what Jesus said. He cared for the lost. How long are we going to wait for somebody? Many people fear that the words that they speak will be rejected. Well, guess what? Jesus didn't save everybody either. Some walked away, right? The young ruler. Some crucified him. My nephew Levi told me this week that he had learned from another person that uh, people react to people in three ways. They either come to them with open hands or they come to them with hands like this to stop them or grasping hands. He said some people hold their hands up and stop people. They don't want them to get too close. Other people's grasp at people for what they need. He says, but the best approach is to approach people with open hands. It coincides with an open heart, loving people and being where they are and meeting meeting them where they are. Presenting the gospel does take some boldness. We, you know, we need to be like a child. Have you ever watched a child approach somebody with a disability? You might, let's say the guy has a missing arm. A child will just walk up and say, what happened to your arm? And we're mortified, you know. I mean, we don't do that. What do we do? We pretend like this child, like this guy's arm's still there. And then we try not to look at it. And we said, man, I hope I don't put my hand out. And, you know, and we freak out because this person, we don't have the, we're afraid what this person might say when the other person wants us to treat him as a normal person. But children don't do that. You know, we squirm. <laughs> I remember when Terry and I first got married and we lived in Morgantown. And Terry had this birthmark behind her knee. And you girls know that. And we're going down the aisle, and this little kid runs up behind her, and he touches it, and he goes, Mommy, what is this? The mother freaked out. You know, it's trying to grab. Terry starts laughing. She says, It's okay. She's pulled him wild. He goes, But Mommy, what is it? What mom? Kept saying as he's dragging away. She looks around, and I'm not there. She comes around the next aisle. I'm on the ground laughing. I can't see. I was laughing so hard, I, I, I couldn't stop. And, uh, of course, she starts laughing too, but. We need to be bold, but we need to, we need to approach people as humans, as a child would do. And, and it does take some boldness. I, I know that. Um, but we need to be compassion and become relational to be effective one-on-one evangelists. When we put to Christ with our actions, our actions speak louder than our mouths. If they are hungry, feed them. If they are naked and cold, clothe them. And if they're in jail, or they're sick, visit them. Like Jesus, meet people where they are. And have compassion on them. Love them as Jesus loved them. And then your passion for the gospel will be effective. Proclaim the gospel of peace. John three sixteen to 17 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. This is the truth that we need to bring to a lost world. We are Jesus' ambassadors to bring the truth. Love people as Christ loved people. And remember, it's not your job to convert. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. You were asked to go tell. That's what you're asked to do. Love people first through words and actions and meeting them where they are. There is an urgency. I've learned that firsthand how fragile life is. And you can lose a loved one in a blink of an eye. And it can be just taken from you. Reach out to the loved ones that you know that are lost. We don't know if we have tomorrow. We have today. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, ask Him in your heart. Accept Him as your personal Savior. You don't have to come forward. You can do that in your seat. If you want to come forward, you want to pray with me, I'll be happy to pray with you. And if you do know Christ, just love them. Love people. Show them. Shovel a sidewalk. Carry some groceries. Do some things like that. Show people first that you love them. And then they'll open up for you to talk to them about your Lord and Savior and give your personal testimony about what Jesus Christ has done for you. We have a Savior. We have an opportunity to talk about Him. We don't need to Bible thump anybody. We don't need to go around and tell people. You know, when somebody comes up to and a lot of you people know this, and I haven't gotten any of this from anybody. When you lose somebody, and I've done that with a couple people in our churches, I got a call and said, um, Sharon's not here and I, but Sharon Combs, her daughter-in-law calls me and said, hey, we couldn't get a son. Could you go be there? And I run over her house. I had no words to say. All I could do was hold her hand. People don't need you to come up to them and throw a bunch of Bible verses in their face. They need you to know that you're there for them, that you love them. Maybe they just need you to hold them while they cry. You know, I, I, so many of them said, I don't know what to say. And I know. And I said, I don't know what to say either. I said, but I'm, I, I need to hear your voice. I'm so glad to see your voice, to hear your voice, to hear from me. And I don't want anybody to hold anything back. When I called my I waited till six in the morning. Dave was with me till ready to leave. And then my son and I went there. Uh, we got back and, and uh, I got home and I was in bed from 430 to six. And at six o'clock, I started making the phone calls. I, I said, well, the easiest way to remember is to start with my older brother and go straight down the line. So I called my oldest brother and my sister-in-law, Lorraine, is really close to my brother, Frank. And so... I start telling him, and she's hearing in the background, and she starts screaming. And he's yelling, Lorraine, Lorraine. I said, let her scream. I said, she just got punched in the face. I, it doesn't hurt me when someone's crying and doing that. You're not, you don't need to hold anything back because all that tells me is how much you care and how much you love Terry and how much you care about my family. 
All you need to be is be with people. That's what we need to do as Christians. We need to love people like Jesus Christ loved them. We're not, we're not out there going to make notches on the belt and say, look, I brought three people to Christ today. I don't know how many you're going to bring to Christ. I don't know. That's up to the Holy Spirit. Our job is to go plant seeds and water them. There might be people that you've brought to Christ that you helped. You may never know about it until you're with your Heavenly Father again. But you have the opportunity to love people. You have the opportunity to show Jesus Christ. Not that they look at your life and see Jesus Christ, that you point them to him. You don't want to look at me for Jesus Christ. You want me to point you to Jesus Christ. You look at me, you're going to find failure. But I want to show you who I know. That's who you need to look at. That's who we love. 